Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Boss Up Podcast, episode 164. I'm your host, Emily Aries, and I am so excited for the conversation you are in for today. Today's podcast is perfect for anyone who is experiencing emotional fatigue or struggling to balance all the emotional labor involved in their job. You'll hear from Lisa Antony, a new friend of mine who I met here in Denver, Colorado, who has personal experience with a ton of customer relations, business development, sales, and all kinds of emotionally taxing forms of work, as well as some really powerful stories about how she developed the resilience she needs in her day job through overcoming some really challenging personal matters that impacted her earlier on in her career. So stay tuned for that. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to make sure you saw that the Bossed Up 2020 Life Tracker Planners are now available for pre-order. Thank you to everyone who weighed in in the Bossed Up Courage community to help us decide on our three gorgeous new cover designs. I am so excited to get these planners out into the world for the third year running. And these planners feature our proprietary goal tracking methodology, the life tracker method, which uses behavioral psychology, cognitive science, and the power of really breaking things down into small manageable steps that help you motivate long-term sustainability. And what that really means is this is the planner that helps you achieve what is most important to you without burning out along the way. It's the kind of planner that helps you thrive while you strive, that helps you consider holistically the kind of life you want to live. In fact, one of our community members who's been using this planner said, quote, I have never, ever, ever been this consistently focused, motivated, and organized. I'll never not have this planner. And another boss shared this feedback on the planner, quote, before using the life tracker planner, self-care wasn't a priority. Hell, it wasn't even on my radar. If you want to make 2020 the year you tackle your biggest, most audacious goals without sacrificing your personal well-being along the way, this is the planner for you. And 2020, our theme for the for the new year is all about embracing the adventure that is the unknown, the unknown year that lay ahead of us. So if you're ready to embrace the adventure that is 2020, head to the link in today's show notes and make sure to pre-order your copy of the Life Tracker Planner. And I should note, we even reduced the cost of the Life Tracker Planner pretty significantly this year so that it's more accessible to even more of our community members. And I hope that helps you make it happen this year because it really is a planner that I use every day. It's a planner that has changed so many women's lives and can help you boss up in 2020. 
All right, let's get into today's show. Today's show was inspired by a question that came in via the Courage community from one listener named Elise. Elise said, have you ever considered doing a podcast about emotional fatigue from clients and customers? This could be really relevant for anyone with a startup, any entrepreneurs, any customer service folks. And I'm finding as of late that dealing with customers has been a struggling point way more so than coworkers or job demands overall. Elise, thank you so much for asking this question. It is such a good point. In fact, before we dive into the interview on this, I want to just make clear what emotional labor actually is. Lately, we've been using emotional labor pretty haphazardly. We've been using it to talk about the work that is involved in keeping a running to-do list in your head, the the sort of unseen labor that women tend to shoulder in the household when it comes to childcare and and house cleaning and housework and just home management. But that, I think, is better described as by a term called the mental load that I think Brad and I talked about on the on the podcast about our our feminist marriage. When we're talking about emotional labor, what we're really acknowledging is the the weight of having to provide service with a smile. Emotional labor is required when you are a waitress, when you are a barista, when you are a customer service agent who has to say nice things to people who might not be saying nice things to you. It's the labor of suppressing your own actual real feelings and slapping on a smile to make sure someone else is still comfortable with their own feelings and that and you're making you're basically suppressing your own discomfort to not discomfort someone else. So that is what we mean when we're talking about emotional labor and it's inherent to all kinds of customer service and customer-oriented roles, including many of the roles that my very special guest today, Lisa Antony, has had over the course of her career. She's currently a business performance advisor with the award-winning professional employer organization, Insperity. She started her career with a finance degree from UC Boulder and has a very diverse career background from finance to marketing to human capital. She's passionate about supporting entrepreneurs and small business owners, and she's Previously worked with Fortune 500 companies as well as larger corporations, but finds the most interesting people and products lay in the small to medium business market. So she loves working with those kinds of entrepreneurs. When she's not meeting the movers and shakers across the state of Colorado, she enjoys reading, hiking, working out, and being with her family in Southwest Denver. Lisa, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today. Uh, Thanks for having me. So today we've got a really interesting question that came in from our online community of listeners. And this one comes in from Elise, who asked this. Have you ever considered a podcast on emotional fatigue from clients or customers? This could be relevant for anyone with a startup any entrepreneurs, and anyone in the customer service field. I have been finding that dealing with customers has been a struggling point, even more so than coworkers or job demands. So I'm so thrilled, Lisa, to have you joining me here today because I know you've got a lot to say about this question. I do. What has been your experience? Tell us a little bit about your background and your current professional status, just so we have a sense of the kind of work that you do that might inform this conversation. Absolutely. So I work in the human capital field. So anything that deals with people from HR to benefits, to payroll, to company culture. And so this this one really hits home for me because I think the fatigue from not just clients and customers really starts at the top from the company culture coming down. So 
you you can deal with a lot of crap <laughs> from people flying things all over and throwing things at you from the customer standpoint, if you know your management team or your leadership, I guess let's go with leadership team. That's how I like to look at it. Has your back. For me, it all starts at the top with the company culture. Do you have leaders? Do you have managers? Leaders can really, really help out when, you know, a client or, you know, you're out there trying to sell stuff or you're talking to people and it's just getting bombarded by a customer or clients, you know, decide it's time to take their frustrations out on you. If you know your leadership has your back, you'll take the crap. Totally, totally. Because you know, at the end of the day, somebody cares. Where if you're working with a bunch of managers and, you know, you're getting it from the outside, plus you're getting it from the inside, you are going to be wear yourself down. And at the end of the day, you will just be exhausted no matter what you do for yourself. That's such a good point. I share a lot on this podcast about my own experience with burnout and how overwork was a big part of it. Not having healthy practices or relationships outside of work was a big part of it. But at the end of the day, it's about feeling included and cared for at work when sometimes customers don't care (laughs) for you. Has that ever sort of hit a tipping point for you in your career? You know, it, it really, it has. I would say probably before I took my current role, the company that I was with, it was a toxic culture. Mm. So, so sad. I would have anxiety attacks on the way to work because I knew I wasn't appreciated. I'd never heard the word thank you or we appreciate you um, from anybody I worked with. And I really, it was my clients and my customers that I got the most energy from because they were the ones who were like, oh, thank you so much for helping me with this. Interesting. We appreciate you for doing this. And then I would get into my car at the end of the day and I would cry all the way home because I wanted to get it out before I got home so I didn't take it out on my family. Right. So, you know, a lot of the times, you know, yeah, your client or your customer might have a bad day and yeah, they take it out on you. But 90% of the time, your clients and your customers really do appreciate what you're doing. I think it's funny how it can it can flip either way, though. Like the question from Elise here, she's basically saying, my coworkers are fine. My customers are driving me bonkers. And you're saying it can be one or the other. You know, it can, it can be both ends. And it helps certainly to be in a business you believe in. Right, absolutely. <laughs> Provide a service or product that you really think helps people. I know plenty of folks who find themselves stuck working for companies that they don't feel really treat their customers well. And it's no surprise that they're the ones taking the heat on the front lines in the customer service arena. So it's interesting. It can come from both directions, can it? Sure can. And this this question or a comment from Elise makes me think of really more of a call center atmosphere because one of the things I also notice is, so say you've got a business development person who has over-promised and under-delivered, which is common for a lot of places. So when a salesperson maybe over-promises, now it's the rest of the company who is trying to deliver. And if they under deliver, the first line of defense is usually your customer service type individuals. And they're just going to get browbeaten. It's so true. For something that they had absolutely no control over. I had a series of workshops that I delivered in-house for a major global hotel brand with their reservations and customer care 
agents. And these are folks who are all remote workers who plug into their headset, you know, at, at their computer at home and handle customer reservations on a regular basis. And, and uh-huh. finding a way to make that team feel connected, included, and supported was a huge challenge for their managers who were all on HQ, basically managing via Slack, managing via text message. And when you get a bad yeah. call, when you get a bad customer experience, and it's your job to provide emotional labor, to provide a service with a smile kind of job, that can just weigh on you in such a challenging and persistent way. It can feel like there's no way out. It's really hard. I would say, you know, one working remotely, yeah. there's huge pluses and minuses to it. Some of the pluses are, you know, you got a very relaxed atmosphere. You're working from home. One of the minuses, though, is when you do have a bad call, it's harder to shrug off. Right. Because if you are in, say, a customer service call center or, you know, with other colleagues, you can get up and you can walk over to a colleague's desk bitch about it for 10 minutes, (laughs) five minutes, whatever it is, get it off your chest, realize you're not the only one who's dealing with this, and then go back and, you know, put that smile on your face and get back to work. Where when you're working remotely or, you know, plugging in through, you know, your computer and doing this, what do you do? Like, do you get up, walk around, talk to yourself? And usually it's a kind of a spiral that it's going to happen is like, you just get more and more frustrated because you're venting to yourself and then your family gets annoyed because you start venting to them. Yes. And it's a vicious cycle. So for me, like as much as I do like that remote worker, I think there's got to be a way to get that remote worker connected to other workers that they can, even if they are other remote workers, or if it's, you know, like once a week having a meeting via you know, Zoom meeting or some sort of video conferencing uh, and, or just doing little things to make your, your employees feel appreciated, especially after they've been, you know, just hounded on the phones all day long or a client has just taken them to task for something they had no control over. I want to just underscore one really helpful and practical takeaway from what you just shared, which is the reality is when you are getting browbeaten, when you are getting that sensation of emotional fatigue, It is very hard to recover from it until and unless you connect with another human who treats you with respect. And sometimes we have to remember that and take a moment to phone a friend, right? Use one of our lifelines. And it's hard to do when you're pulling a shift, a 12-hour shift on your feet, you know, working as a nurse like my mom does, or the nature of your job doesn't allow you to step away. But, you know, even if it's a mantra you say to yourself to remind you that your work is not your worth and remind you that you're a human who by default is worthy of love and belonging, you know, it's that feeling of connection with another human being that helps you recover from emotional fatigue. And so whatever you need to do to make that happen is one of the ways to recover from it. How have you changed your role, right? In in your case, it sounds like you recovered from a pretty toxic workplace by changing your workplace. Tell us about that transition and, and what you learned along the way. Totally agree about finding that connection with somebody. And I think that's actually what helped me make the decision to move on. Mm. I was really, when I had started with this company, they were for business development folks. And we lost all but myself. One of them was let go. Another one moved into a different position and another one 
just left on their own accord. Wow. So, you know, you go from four business development people to one. Oh my goodness. So then they hired in another person and she was wonderful. She was there for six weeks and then quit. Oh no. And I was like, what? what, what? Like, I like this person. Like they were a little bit older than I was. They were somebody I could bounce ideas off of. So she pulled me aside and took me to her coffee. And she's like, look, you're in a hostage situation. You have to get out. If you don't get out, you are going to go into a really bad pit place with your health. It's not worth it. It was that spark that I needed because I knew I wasn't in a, like I said, it was not a healthy business relationship, but I couldn't see it. I had to have somebody else point it out. I knew it wasn't right. What were some of the warning signs? Because I always am curious about, I've written about how to identify if your your workplace is toxic, but what, what helped illuminate that for you? Literally having somebody tell me you are in a hostage situation. <laughs> uh, it was, wow. I mean, because you would think that, you know, having anxiety attacks on the way to work and then crying on the way home, you would think that would be enough to say, you know, maybe you should start looking yeah. for something. It was literally somebody pulling me aside and saying, you have to leave here. I don't care how good the money is. You have to leave. Isn't it interesting how sometimes we, by default, assume that if we're having panic attacks, there's something wrong with us, not our environment. Like we we assume right. that we're not living up to it or like we're not doing something right. Or you don't want to walk away from the money. Yeah, golden handcuffs for sure. Wow. And that was the thing is like I started taking a look at other opportunities. And one of the biggest things that I started to look at was culture because the place that I was at, it was a core management team. Like they definitely were a management team. They managed by terror. They never said, please, never said, thank you, never said, we appreciate you. Very tough to deal with. Um, And this came from the CEO down. So the CEO would treat people in a way and other managers would see that. So they would think it's okay to treat people like that. So when I started interviewing, it was one of those, what is your management style? How are people treated? And, you know, in an interview, somebody will say anything. So you go out and you look on Glassdoor and you look at everything that's out there. So for me, the company that I was really very serious about talked about servant leadership. Mm. And I was like, what? I don't know what this is, but I'm going to check it out. So I checked it out. And their whole thing was, we're here to help our front line. What do we need to do to make things easier for our front line? We are not managers. We're leaders. What do we need to do to have people, you know, go to battle for us if that's what is necessary? So I started reading the Glassdoor reviews and they had really good reviews. You know, the CEO had rave reviews. Management teams had really great reviews. So I was like, this is a company that I'm a little bit aware of because they, we had done some business with them in the past. So I was a little bit of aware of who they were and what they did. I go to my interview. It was a good interview. Really liked the guy that I interviewed with. And they asked me to come back to talk to the other sales manager. So for me, that said something that, hey, we're bringing somebody in. We have two separate sales teams in this office, but we operate as one. Right. That right there already was kind of comforting going from a place where Everything was on my shoulders in terms of bringing in revenue, where here they had two sales teams. There were going to be 18 other people responsible for a sales number, not just me. So they brought me back in to talk to the regional manager. 
this is somebody who'd been here for 20 years and started off in customer service, then went somewhere else, then went somewhere else, you know, and worked his way up to where he is now. So that led me to believe, hey, there's room for opportunity in case I want to maybe do something else with my career. Right. So really gave it a lot of thought. Um, And the big, huge thing for me was it was going to be a massive pay cut for me to come here. Base-wise, it wasn't going to be so bad, but it was all the residuals I had built up at my old company. Yeah. I ended up taking a $52,000 pay cut. And I got to tell you, my health has never been better. Oh, my goodness. Mentally, I'm in a good space. Wow. Physically, I'm in a good space. Emotionally, I'm in a good space. You know, Do I have my bad days? Of course, I'm in business development. We all have our bad days in business development. But my bad days here are better than some of my best days were at my old company. Wow. That's so interesting. And you said you have a family, right? So how did that decision to take such a big pay cut go over? Like, were you worried about not being able to talk about servant leadership? Were you worried about not being able to (laughs) serve your family? (laughs) You know what I mean? That's a scary, huge number that you just named. It is. And, you know, and one of the things is my husband makes very good money. Mm -hmm. So we talked about it. We don't have kids. So it was really us having that discussion of maybe we don't take a vacation that right. first year. Let's let's instead of going to Belize, let's go to Vail for a weekend. You know, so we, <laughs> okay. we discuss little things like that. That's an important disclaimer, I think, for anyone listening who's like, oh, I make fifty two thousand dollars a year right now, right? Like there's right. Yeah. Yes, it was a big pay cut. But at the same time, like in base pay, it wasn't huge. In base pay, it was maybe a $10,000 pay cut, which, yes, still sounds like a lot of money. But if you think about it, that's less than $1,000 a month. So, I mean, it was a lot of pen to paper. It's like, can I make this work? Yes. Yes, I can. And you're in a relatively senior position, right, in your career. You've worked very hard and and, and gotten into business development, which is a very value-added and difficult position to be in. So I think all of that makes sense. I just want to throw out a disclaimer for my listeners who don't live in Colorado like we do. Going to Vail for the weekend is much more affordable, FYI, when you live in Denver. (laughs) Like Lisa and I do. I can just imagine the response from my listeners in D.C. and California. Like, whoa, that's what she downgraded to? A Vail vacation. (laughs) Yeah, huge disclaimer there. Like when you were a resident of Colorado, I'm going to do a 90-minute drive to Vail. And I'm going to do an Airbnb and share it with somebody for like three days. It's it's not a couple thousand dollars of going to... And those are the perks of living in a uh, vacation paradise like we do, which is great. Yes. So I want to I ask you more about the direct sales and, and business development work that you do, right? We haven't had too many folks on the podcast who, who do that kind of work. And I'm a big fan of the series The Office. So my limited experience in direct sales, although as an entrepreneur, I'm always selling something, right? But I always think of Dunder Mifflin as like the perfect example. They have this great sales team of the paper company. I don't know if you're an office fan by any chance, Lisa. <laughs> Not really. Okay. <laughs> well, this I this is an admiration conversation, I promise, because it's a relatively high pressure position, especially when relationship building and trust building and, you know, finding clients is a big part of the job. 
that's a lot of emotional labor right then and there. How do you approach your work in a way that doesn't leave you feeling exhausted and depleted all the time? Like, how do you approach developing relationships and developing business in a sustainable way? Well, I think you just nailed it right there is it's relationships. So for the type of sales that I do, it really is relationship driven. I don't sell a product. I don't have a physical product to sell. I am kind of selling a dream to people. Either you want it or you not. So I don't look at myself as much as a salesperson as I do an advisor or an educator, because that's really what I'm doing is I'm educating people on what my services can bring and do for their business. It's not like I'm selling a cell phone or a tablet, something that they can physically see and touch and say, yeah, I need 10,000 of those. This is an idea of I I want to grow my business. I want to be able to offer benefits to my employees. I want to have my infrastructure there. I, I want all of this, but one, can I afford it? And two, what does it mean if I don't do it? Right. What if I stay status quo? What if I go with the competition? So there's a lot of education that I do. The other thing I throw out there, especially when people are talking about, oh, sales, yeah, salespeople, whatever. Everybody is a salesperson in one way or the another. So say you're talking to a software engineering company. They're still selling their software to someone. So at the heart of it, everybody that I ever do business with, they're either selling a product, they have a product that they've developed that needs to be sold to somebody else, or they're working a relationship so that they can have whatever they do be sold to somebody. So to me, it is all about relationships. That's one of the hardest things in sales is because, let's be honest, if sales were easy, anybody could do it, (laughs) but you have to have a thick skin. You got to love the word no, because you're going to hear that more often than not. And you have to understand, Hmm. you have to be very even keel. I, I think one of the things where a lot of my colleagues look at me like I have a third head or something is I don't get super excited about a yes. Because if I get super excited about a yes, then I'm going to get super depressed about a no. And I get more no's than I do yeses. So to me, it's all about even keel. And what are my small wins for the day? Because like, if, if I'm only going to get excited about somebody signing a contract and becoming a client of mine, well, let me be honest, that happens maybe three or four times a year not something you want to bank your happiness on. Right. So for me is, did I make a new friend today? Because that's how my CEO looks at it. He says, for the first year that you're working with us, I want you to go out and make friends because you know what? People do business with people they like. Wow. So go out there and make some friends. So I take a look at my day and I figure out, am I going to make a friend today somewhere along the way? Am I going to try and make a difference for somebody along the way? Can I introduce somebody to somebody else that is not going to bring me any business, but they are going to do business together? So it's really, you know, trying to find those small little things. And it can be a struggle to be in sales. Right. I mean, I think all of us can benefit from the psychology of small wins, though. Like you just said, I've never thought about the even keel benefit because I'm someone who's very excitable. <laughs> and so I, I always say the highs that are very high of entrepreneurship and then the lows are very low. It's like a roller coaster. And there's a really sort of Buddhist 
mindfulness to that approach of, of bend, don't break, right? Don't get too invested right. in what is fleeting. Don't get too excited or too, too upset by that. How did you come to that? Like, how would you advise someone who struggles to cultivate that kind of approach to practice it or begin strengthening it? So how I got it is I had worked for a former Marine. Oh my goodness. Wow. He basically beat it out of me. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, But that was his thing is like, if you're making X amount of calls a day, say you're making a hundred calls a day, 97 of those are going to be a no or a hang up. How are you going to be able to come in the next day and do the same thing over and over and knowing that it's going to be a no most of the time. He's like, you gotta, you have to have your small little wins. But then when somebody does say yes, don't get overly excited because it's probably going to end up a no anyway. I, he was harsh. Oh my God. But I wow. learned some great lessons from him because it is. I mean, I worked a deal this summer, which I thought was going to be a slam dunk. It was a client referral. I mean, a client referred this person to me. We have these great conversations. My team goes out and has does a wonderful presentation. And I get a call about a week later and he's like, I have no good explanation of where we're not going and doing this, except for timing isn't right. And then he's ghosted me. Yeah. Oh. I could let that define my year or I can say, hey, you know what? Back on the saddle. Let's go for it. Let's find another one. Right. And totally. I decided, hey, let's get back in the saddle and go find some more. Yeah. I think that's the kind of resilience that everyone can learn from in this conversation. And I know that resilience is a very big topic and something that isn't easy to cultivate, but it's only possible really to cultivate through overcoming challenges. Obviously being in sales is a big challenge, but I feel like we've talked in the past about other big challenges that you've overcome that have led you to where you are today. I'm wondering if you want to share sort of what you took away from that and how it set you up to be sustainable in your life and your business. Yeah, so I've actually I've had a couple of really large personal challenges, which I think also shape my outlook on life. My outlook on life is, I think, very different than everybody else. Eight years ago, I was actually living in Phoenix, working for a very small startup. It was a very awesome company. And I was super excited. And then I was just talking to my parents. My dad's like, why don't you come home for Father's Day weekend? And we can like play some golf and, you know, like you can tell us all about your new job and all that kind of stuff. So I come home, visit my parents. And on Father's Day morning, my mom finds me wandering around the house having seizure after seizure after seizure. Turns out I had a massive brain tumor the size of a grapefruit sitting on my right frontal lobe, which I had no idea. And before somebody's like, how can you not know? Wow. I literally had headaches and I was just like, maybe I have migraines. I don't know. I had gone to the doctor, all my blood work, everything came back normal. Like you never even thought of going in for an MRI because I'm like, they're headaches. I live in Phoenix. Place is awful. Sure. Sorry for all you people who live in Phoenix. (laughs) I still associate my brain surgery with Phoenix. (laughs) So I ended up having emergency brain surgery. They took the tumor out and literally six weeks to the day, I went back to work because I was like, you know what? I want to be a a productive member of society again. Mm. But I'm also just so thankful that the company I worked at was, they had some great policies and procedures in place that allowed me to, to do what I had to do to get back on track. So I got back to my life 
balanced, not going to work all the time. I'm going to, you know, take some time for myself. And then I started going back into that working all the time and the balance wasn't there Mm. because that's what us salespeople do is we work a lot because if you miss a week here, you miss a week there, you might miss your entire year. So I was back to just working on that rat race on the little hamster wheel. That was me. And then five years ago, my father committed suicide. And I'm very open and honest about talking about it because I don't think it's something that should be hidden. I think it's something that should be talked about. I believe in mental health. I also take a look at gentlemen who are a little bit older. Like They look at this as a solution to a temporary problem instead of realizing Mm. it's a temporary problem. You can find a solution that's not that permanent. So it, it changed again. My views changed. And, you know, that's where I'm very lucky where I found the company I work for now is they actually believe in, you know, mental health, take yeah. care of yourself. I, I started the year off with 168 hours of vacation. Wow. I don't know of any other company that does that. How many days is that? 160 hours? Oh, like for the year or like taking it? I had 160 hours for the year that I could take. Okay. That makes sense. Wow. That's incredible. That's almost four and a half weeks. Yeah. I was going to say, I can't do the math in my head. I'm like, wait, how long is that? (laughs) That's some European stuff. That's European style. I love that. That's amazing. It is. And it's one of those, they're not a use it or lose it kind of company. So if you don't use it, you can roll it over. You can opt to get paid out on part of it. It gave me a very different perspective. So, you know, two huge life-changing things happened that I realized a job is just a job. Mm -hmm. I can always find another one. I think having some healthy self-esteem comes through with that because if you're in sales, you've got to have some good self-esteem. And I know like for my boyfriend, it's harder for him to understand. I'm sorry, husband, It's, it's a new thing for me. You know, he's got a harder time because I think his ego is really tied to his job. And if he were to lose his job, it would be harder for him to get out of a funk. Yeah. I mean, it's an identity for so many of us. And that exactly. I think it explains so much of what you were saying earlier about not just having thick skin, but knowing that you're not defined, you know, knowing your small wins because you're not defined by your outcomes. I say it on this podcast all the time, knowing that your worth as a human being is not equivalent to your work. They are not the same things. It's a terrible way to learn such lessons, but I think the philosophies that you've developed from such hardships that you've experienced is so inspiring. And, you know, I've always been inspired by how you relate it back to what you do at Insperity, which is helping other small businesses, small to medium sized or, or small to, what is it? Small to medium sized businesses, especially? I call it the medium business. Yeah. So I focus <laughs> on companies that have between five and 5,000 employees. Yeah. So yes, 5,000 can be seen as a large company, sure. <laughs> but we break it up even in between what we do. So my group focuses really on that five to, you know, say 150. And you help them provide benefits for their people and be better to their people, which I think is such a a full circle position for you to find yourself in. Which I found it because of my brain surgery, quite frankly. Mm. The company I was working for in Phoenix was an Insperity client when all of this went down. That's great. I appreciate the personal experience that you bring to what you do at Insperity because 
This is something for any entrepreneurs amongst us to take note of, any small business owners, any small business employees who have been trying to get their leadership to treat their people better. This is one avenue through which you can absolutely do that and be the kind of employer who cuts their employee, who's sick, who just got a huge bill, a check to make it all go away. That's pretty amazing. And I'm so glad that that was you know, that you had the good fortune of having a boss who cared, who treated their employees like family and who cared enough to have the system in place to make that possible, right? I mean, and that's how I feel about like when I'm out there talking to small businesses, I look and see how they treat their employees. If they treat their employees like they're an asset and they want to invest in their employees and they want their employees to be happy, productive employees, that is the type of client that I want to be working with. Right. If they look at their employees as a, eh, if they quit, we can just replace them tomorrow. Yeah. They're not going to understand what we do. And even if we can bring them better benefits, it's not going to be worth the investment because they don't believe in investing in their people. Right. I really want to be talking to, to companies who invest in their people. And that kind of brings us full circle back to Elisa's question about fatigue. Right. The owner of the company doesn't believe in their employees and they're letting their employees get beaten down by their customers or their clients. Yeah. Is that the right fit for you? Or is it, do you need to kind of figure out maybe, maybe I need to have an ally in my group that I can go talk to. Maybe, you know, I call Sarah or I call Emily throughout the day just to check in on them. It's, not only developing relations outside of work too with your clients and your customers, but developing those internal relationships as well, where you know if you're having a bad day, you can pick up the phone and call somebody and they're going to tell you a dirty joke and you're going to be fine with it. (laughs) I love it. And you're going to laugh. And I love that Elise in her question points out that like her colleagues aren't bad necessarily. You know, her colleagues aren't stressing her out. So now we have to know if our customers are stressing us out it's okay to, and we must lean on those colleagues and ask for their emotional support to help us recover. Any last thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say, I think if your customers or your clients are stressing you out and your management team doesn't like take a look and see what is actually happening there, are they really a client or a customer that you need? Right. Because it's okay to fire clients. It's okay to fire those customers who don't treat your employees well. Yes. Walk away from them because you will find somebody, you will find another client to work with who will love your team and make them feel appreciated. Yeah. And actually, that's a relatively new trend in business thought leadership, which is customer first mentality is starting to wane. And what's being replaced with it is employee first mentality. Like we will come to the defense of our staff, of our team, especially when they're acting in the right way, right? Not necessarily a staff member who's not acting in accordance with the organization's broader values. But I think that's a really important message for any entrepreneurs who might need to hear this or any freelancers who might need to hear this. It is okay to fire customers, you know, it is okay to come to your own defense and, and demand better for yourself. It's not easy, but it is okay. And we should give ourselves permission to think like that. Well, you're only going to live once and don't surround yourself with crappy people. <laughs> I love it, Lisa. That's a perfect place to wrap up. Where should our listeners catch up with you and keep up with you? And I'll make sure to drop these links into the show notes as well. But if they want to learn more. Absolutely. They can always follow me on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn and the fact that I always talk about 
thought leadership mm. and just leadership in general, because to me, that is just so important. Follow me on linkedin.com backslash in backslash Lisa Anthony, or you can follow me on insperity.com slash Lisa Anthony. Learn more about Lisa Anthony and how she supports small business owners on LinkedIn or via insperity.com. You can find direct links in today's show notes or at bossedup.org slash episode 164. And now it's time for a very special boss move. This is a boss move that was shared also in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook. So if you haven't joined us there, make sure to do so in today's show notes. And I want to give a hearty shout out to Liz who shared this boss move. Quote, I met someone who is just starting out doing what I'm doing as a still quite small side hustle. Rather than seeing her as a competitor, I shared some tips for networking and building her portfolio. It reminded me that I've learned a lot and it gave me an opportunity to be generous and pay it forward the way others have done for me. Here's to lifting as we climb. Liz, this is such an inspirational boss move. Thank you so much for sharing it. I remember, I remember especially early on on my entrepreneurial journey, just how much I benefited from other badass bosses like you who were committed to lifting as we climb. And you know what's crazy? You can offer that kind of generosity and that kind of support, and it doesn't guarantee how that other person will react. But the boss move you shared is perfectly focused on what you chose to do because it doesn't really matter how they react. What matters is how you view that person internally and how you choose to act externally, right? How your perception of her, not as competition, but as potential collaborator, can inform your behavior moving forward. I know that not everyone operates this way, and I'm I'm not naive about how rare that is. I'm not naive about the vulnerability involved in lifting as we climb, but it is the right and the best thing to do. I'm so glad to hear you walk in the walk and live in your best boss life. Keep it up. So if you've got a boss move to share or a career conundrum you want me to unpack on the podcast next, give us a call at 910-668-BOSS or 2677 and leave your voicemail in the podcast hotline. As you can tell, today we've made some exceptions to our usual rule, which is we usually go with audio submissions because it adds a nice little variety to the podcast. But I'm all about being flexible, and today's boss move and today's career conundrum were submitted via written form in the Courage community, and if that's what works best for y'all, let me know how I can make this easier for you. Let me know if this, um, you know, this way of reading questions worked well on the podcast today, and we can absolutely do more of these as well. I know no one likes voicemails. No one likes picking up the phone <laughs> and actually using the phone to make a phone call anymore, but I certainly appreciate it when I can hear your voice and add you to my voice in this beautiful medium that is podcasting. So Thank you, each and every one of you, for lifting as you climb like our boss of the week. Liz, thank you for sharing today's episode with the women in your world who you know could use it, whether they're feeling really burnt out and struggling with emotional fatigue or just need to hear from someone who's cultivated so much resilience along the way like Lisa has. Today's episode is a special one, so I encourage you to take a moment to share your thoughts on it on 
social media right now. You can always tag me at bossedup.org or at Emily Aries. And you can check out all of today's related show notes, dive deeper into related articles and podcasts and conversations at bossedup.org slash episode 164. Until next time, keep bossing. Oh, and I should say before I sign off that today, Tuesday, October 8th, marks the very beginning of my very exciting honeymoon that Brad the Boo and I are heading off on a year and a couple months after getting married, but who's counting? We're going to be headed to Hawaii for the next 10 days, which is amazing. And I am so excited for, I've never been to Hawaii, neither has Brad. We've actually never taken a vacation this long. And guess what? I'm not working for the next 10 days. I love you all to death. But if you email me in the next 10 days or ping me on social media in the next 10 days, I'm not going to reply. I mean, I'll probably be on the gram sharing some pretty, pretty, pretty sunsets, but uh, you're not going to get an email back from me until at least October 21st when I'm back in the office. So I just want to let you know, I love y'all. You know, I'm, you know, I'm your ride or die, but uh, this boss is headed out of office and I'm so looking forward to it. And I just completed booking the final hotel for our final night in Honolulu with 100% points. So this was a fully points booked vacation when it comes to all of our flights and all of our hotels. If you want to learn how that happened, I did an episode on it. I'll link to it in today's show notes too, because it's pretty astounding to me that we could even make that happen. But it's possible. I know it's possible for you too, because I saw someone in the Courage community recently shared how she did something similar. So check out that post on how we planned our honeymoon on a budget. You know I love not paying full price for anything. So check that out there. If I sound a little giddy, it's because I am straight up giddy. I'm so excited. So I'll be on the gram probably, but otherwise I will hear from y'all and see y'all and be back in touch after 10 days. Oh, and don't worry. I already recorded some podcasts for you. So you're not going to miss a beat. We've got two episodes a week coming at you regardless because Kirby... My production associate at Bostop is a rock star. So thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting this show. Thank you for listening to me all the way to the end as I ramble on about my excitedness over this vacay. But I love y'all. I'll talk to y'all soon. See you on the other side. <laughs>